speak the charm of make charm of make charm of make charm there will come a time on the planet earth when science and technology will be long forgotten when wizards will rule the world this is the arnamancy podcast the world is weirder than we know Join your host, Reverend Eric, in his diverse array of amazing guests in an exploration of tarot, magic, the occult, and the history of Western esotericism. The Arnamancy Podcast exists thanks to the support of generous listeners like you. Please consider supporting this podcast for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash arnamancy. Welcome back to the Arnamancy Podcast. I know you probably just were listening to us yesterday as we, as our uh, confraternity of prognosticators uh, retronosticated uh, and looked back <laughs> over our <laughs> our previous set of <laughs> predictions. Um, if you didn't listen to that, yeah, please go back and listen. Uh, this is uh, I'm here with my with my good friends T. Susan Chang and Andrew B. Watt. Uh, I am Eric L. Arneson. We are all people who enjoy having it, having one initial uh, to help us stand out from the crowd. And this is what I think the third or fourth year in a row that we've done this. Our, our I, I think yeah. it's four our, years. Yeah. In, yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. And uh, and I'm going so like just real briefly. Would you uh, would you like to introduce yourselves, uh, Andrew? We'll start with you this time. My name is Andrew B. Watt. I'm an artist and astrologer working in Western Massachusetts, about what twenty miles or less from where Susie lives. Um, Something like that. I'm available on the World Wide Web at andrewbwatt.com. I would say that my my big contribution to astrology these days is trying to poeticize a great deal of the Greek mythological content that's associated with the sky and work it in with the system of the decans, the 10 degree subunits of the zodiac. And a ver- very worthy enterprise that is. Yes, yes. Aww, um, thank and you. you. You said your website already, right? AndrewBWatt.com. Yes. Uh, and Susie, would you please introduce yourself briefly? Yes, I am T. Susan Chang. Uh, mostly, I am an author, tarot reader, and um, tarot teacher. Uh, write a bunch of books, give a lot of workshops, uh, talk about tarot to everyone who will listen, and uh, and I make a bunch of products as well. Um, the main website for me is tsusanchang.com, and uh, there will be a bunch of other links on Eric's website. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. There will be plenty of links in the show notes, uh, so make sure you uh, go and check those out. Uh, and also, if you are listening to this in a timely fashion, all three of us will have um, a special code in uh, in that'll also be in the show notes that'll get you um, uh, a discount on some sort of divination service of of, of your very very own. Well, the, so what we're going to do is we're going to spend um, hopefully ten minutes or less uh, with a prediction for every month of the year. This this first episode will cover the first six months. Um, if our prognosticators begin to go too long, I will play the bell noise. 
which will mean <laughs> it is time for us to move on to the next month. Although I probably won't be incredibly strict, but you know, I'll, I'll try. I'll try to keep everybody in line. It's 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 t- it's a tough job. What we usually do, like um, t- uh, Susie and Andrew, both have kind of their own uh, methods for for doing this prognostication. Um, Andrew, you uh, yours is, yours is the most work. Uh, so, would you like to begin by explaining how you are doing the charts for this thing? Sure. What we call the vulgar year begins on December 31st at midnight, or more specifically, it begins on January 1st at midnight. So December 31st, 1159, the transition to 12 o'clock happens and suddenly you're in a brand new year and we all go yippee and the ball drops in Times Square, and Andrew makes a chart for that moment of midnight. Every year, what that means is that the sun is usually conjunct or just past the Imimkali. It's in Capricorn. It's usually at 10 degrees and some minutes of Capricorn. And so we're getting a, a chart where the sun is ingressing into the second decan of of Capricorn, and it's somewhere in the second decan of Capricorn. And that means that the ascendant is somewhere in the second decan of Libra, or the first decan of Libra, depending on some various factors. And that sort of puts a stamp on the year. It says that the sovereign of the year is going to be Venus. We talked about this in the last episode, that Venus sort of gets to be queen of the year, telling us to connect and uh, and love and create and build and join and assemble. And then there's a variety of factors that prevent that from happening. <laughs> what I then do is I use that moment of the the ingress to the new year, a, a degree of Capricorn and a, a set of minutes of Capricorn, and I use those two numbers throughout the year to generate a chart for each month. I'm using a technique that's similar to, but not exactly the same as the technique of lunar revolutions, which gets used as part of uh, an annual chart progression for personal clients working off of their natal chart, where you do a solar return, you figure out the chart of the new year for them, the moment that the sun returns to the to the birthplace that it was at in their natal chart and say, okay, here's your chart for the year. And then you do subsequent analyses of that. And the result of that is that you get a, a chart that sort of predicts year by year. And then, um, Susie, your method is a little bit more straightforward. Do you want to tell us uh, how yours <laughs> yeah, works? Basically, this is tarot, so... Uh, we court chaos every time we do a draw, uh-huh. and I don't even shuffle in an organized, normal, disciplined fashion. I finger paint. I just throw the cards on the table uh, in any which way they care to fall, and then I choose uh-huh. one by feel. It is like the opposite 
It's the Dionysian <laughs> approach to Andrew's Apollonian approach. <laughs> so we we really sort of taking like the the ultra prepared homework approach, and then the um, and then the 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 fuck it. Literally I'm gonna drink throwing a bunch the spaghetti right at the wall the test. approach. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's a good uh, description right, well, of it. I like that spaghetti yeah. at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I have over the years tried to decide whether to use reversals or not. I think last year I, you know, I welcomed a reversal in the uh, year card and then I ended up doing the rest as non-reversal. I'm just going to just skip the reversals. To me, reversals simply indicate that things are <laughs> difficult and stressful at some level and they always are. So we know that <laughs> right, already. Right. <laughs> well, uh, why don't you, why don't you start off with a, with a card of the year and then we will hear Andrew's uh, January chart, which is sort of the, the chart of the year. Indeed. So. The card of the year is justice. Wow, that is um, that is exciting. And I'm actually, you know, um, speaking of Venus being the ruler of the year, that is one of her uh, one of her signs, Libra, Mm -hmm. um, the Justice Cards Association. We have not ever gotten justice before. It looks like, which at one level is not surprising. Because there is no justice in the world, <laughs> but, and at another <laughs> level is um, is somewhat surprising since we've been doing this for a solid you know thirty six draws so far. So uh, anyway, so with justice being um, being in the in the air, I sus- I suspect we will be literally um, bringing up issues of. Of justice, uh, the first thing that comes to mind from the picture is the weighing and the and the cutting, which is represented by the swords and scales, because in this country it's an election year, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's a that could very well be um, refer to the selection process of of justice. But I think you know, I mean, the thing about justice is that it does tend towards equilibrium but it's not always a peaceful equilibrium right right the, she is holding a sword and i don't think there's any reason to to doubt that as global conflicts you know struggle their way towards equilibrium more blood will still be sh- shed and more swords will be wielded in you know in the effort to achieve that. yeah yeah i always think of justice like i think one of the warnings about justice is uh People always want to think that justice is on their side, but justice really is more about an equilibrium where everybody feels like nobody got their way and everybody didn't not get their way. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, I certainly hope that seeing justice for the year means that free and fair elections will be held. And I hope that, um, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. that in the various courtroom procedures, uh, going on that a fair verdict will be reached but yes. you know again from whose point of view so. yeah very very true very, it's very also true. worth noting that the card of justice is the courtroom figure the figure of justice is facing you the viewer if you want justice mm-hmm. you have to act justly the last thing that you want to do is be standing in front of a courtroom knowing that you are guilty mm, indeed. true true indeed because even if you are innocent, standing in a courtroom, it can be a deeply terrifying experience because mm-hmm. you have no idea how this is going to actually turn out. 
and you know you've submitted yourself to the court's judgment but that does not necessarily mean that things are going to go your way and very true here's the figure of justice looking out at you and saying are you being fair are you being just have you behaved with clean hands in all of this and there's no guarantee that that's going to go your way even if you are innocent so true. if if you want a just and fair 2024, the first person that you need to worry about is not your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I think right. there's always a, right. a message of uh, you must clean your own house first. Yes. That's uh, right. Okay, yes. let's... Yeah, yeah. Okay, are we ready for uh, the January chart? Mr. Watt. Given that this is the chart of the year, if you don't mind, I'm going to sort of go through some of the big... The big three, the sun, moon, and ascendant. And then I'm going to look at the angles, the the sort of keystones of the chart. So this is going to be a little bit of, of a lengthier piece, but I won't do this on every chart, I promise. Okay. Okay. So I want to start in this particular case with the moon, which is above the horizon because it's a chart for midnight. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at a night-ruled chart. And the moon is in the 12th house. And normally the moon in the 12th house would be a very lonely place for it to be because... And the moon will be um, will be uh, waxing, correct? No, the moon will be waning. But in a night chart, it is okay for the moon to be waning because she's returning to her... She's returning to her natural state, which is darkness. Mm -hmm. So... Even though the moon is waning, it is about completion of cycles. It is about finishing off old business. And it's also about creating a stable set of situations for the future. She's also in Virgo. Mm -hmm. uh, she's at eight degrees of Virgo at midnight over my little town in the western part of of Connecticut and or Massachusetts. And she is in... Uh, the Deccan, which is called the Tree Bearing Fruit. And she is in the mansion of the moon called the Wings. Mm. Now, the Tree Bearing Fruit is this idea of the organic growth. So it looks like we're being promised a year with a whole lot of growth and a whole lot of opportunity. Now, we all know that uh, growth can sometimes be a lovely and wonderful thing. And we also have that phrase, growing pains. So I mm -hmm. think that there is this idea of growing pains included, given that it's a 12th house matter. But the wings, the, the mansion of the moon that she's in, is strongly associated with sex and sexuality and with alchemical union. Last year, we saw a whole lot of stuff specifically around Roe versus Wade. And I can see that one of the big things on the table this coming year is a realignment around issues of sex and sexuality specifically coming out of what are we going to do about abortion rights in this country? What are we going to do about the rights of women? And I see that as being on the table in a big way, and quite possibly in a Lysistrata kind of way. You may know mm -hmm. the story from the play that, that the women of Athens and the women of Sparta are so upset by the behavior of the men in the Peloponnesian War that they withhold sex from their men and the men go absolutely crazy and gradually agree to tone down the war for the sake of 
getting the pleasures that they want. It doesn't quite work out that way, but it's at least on the table. So I see that in the position of the moon here. And I think it's worth thinking about, like, what is that's sort of the first place to be thinking about fairness uh, and thinking about justice is in the, the question of what are the, the sexual politics? What are the relationships of gender? And I should just add quickly that that is... <clears throat> Also reflected in the justice card as well, which is specifically tied to Libra, as we mentioned, but also the Queen of Swords, which we got last year mm -hmm. for the um, for the for the card of the year. So, uh, in the same way that we talked about reproductive rights being an issue for that, I think it's fair to say that that ties in with justice, the card mm -hmm. this year as well. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I definitely think that, that this uh, this is already looking like it's going to be an interesting year. I think I think it is, and I think the chart shows that. Now, the sun, which we tend to think of as as being the most important planet, because one, it's the center of the solar system, and two, we have a hundred years of sun sign columns appearing in newspapers and websites around the around the country and even around the world, is in that middle decan of Capricorn. And that's called the pyramid. And it's in the fourth house because it's at the midnight position. So it's the focus on the family. It is the focus on who is under your roof, who is in your own house. But there's also that idea of oppression and specifically a kind of generational oppression. Mm -hmm. I know that at least some of us on this call are dealing with the long-term challenges of having elder parents and children who are nearing adulthood and maybe thinking about either starting families of their own or, you know, leaving the nest and going off to whatever comes next beyond the realm of the household. And the result is, you know, there's a generational politics and there's a sense of generational oppression. And nationally in the United States, we're getting to the point where the baby boomers are retiring much faster than workers are joining the workforce to replace them. So, you know, at what point does the balance of power between working age adults and retirees start to shift? And how does that affect the political question? Oh, man. The answer is it's not going to affect the political question all that much this year, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to be feeling the the strength of the weight of the retirees weighing down the economy as a whole, I think. So those are some big challenges around that. All right. Okay. And then finally, the ascendant, which sort of represents the body politic, right? The whole citizenry and population. And that's in the first decan of Libra. And uh, this comes back really strongly to our card. Normally, the ascendant is in the second decan of Libra, which is two links of a chain. It's what binds us. It's what ties us together. This time, mm -hmm. the ascendant is in the first decan. It's at nine degrees, 58 minutes. It's just on the, on the wrong side of the line. And it's called the blindfold and the sword. So it's very strongly associated with that card justice in the tarot deck, number one. But number two, it's associated with DK. It's not associated with Proxidike, who's the goddess in ancient Greek uh, thought and religion who's associated with capital crimes like 
treason or murder. It's the one that's associated with things like parking fines and speeding tickets. It's the one that's associated <laughs> with fair weight and measure in the marketplace. It's the I one that we that's... need a proxidike talisman. Just uh, mentioning that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like if if justice is your first concern, then the first thing is be thinking about obeying the speed limit in 2024. Be thinking about being on the right side of the law when it comes to ordinary basic behaviors. It means keeping your emission sticker up to date, and it means having your car properly registered and having both of your headlights working. Doing those kinds of things is an apotropaic kind of action in 2024. It means staying mm -hmm. on the right side of, of the law with regard to very basic kinds of behaviors in the marketplace, on the roads, and in public places. And those are things mm -hmm. that we as ordinary citizens can do that has nothing to do with what happens at the national political level. Okay. So we've... How about, I've, how about our angles? We've already talked about Libra and Capricorn, which are two of our angles. So let's shift to um, our other two angles, and let's start with the midheaven, which is the public sphere and usually thought of as government. And here we've got the midheaven in that second decan of Cancer, which is associated with Hercules in the court of Queen Hippolyta of the Amazons, where the great super masculine hero of ancient Greece is dressed in women's clothing and recovering from PTSD. And I think that this shows that somebody in government, lots of people in government, are going to continue to be making a bunch of, of issues out of trans identity questions and, mm -hmm. uh, and sexuality, and it's not going to go well. Like the, the nature of the conversation has moved on in a lot of ways, and being able to make political hay out of this issue is not, uh, not going to land as, as a practical issue at the voting booth. So if you're in politics, hmm. this is not an issue that's going to land with the voters or mean a whole lot to them. Okay. All right. The The final angle is Aries, because we've got our angles in cardinal signs in this chart. Mm -hmm. We've got a big question of being in opposition, because Aries is a Mars-ruled sign, with others, important others, spouses and romantic partners, business partners, um, political allies, foreign relations is potentially going to be a place for a lot of conflict and a lot of ongoing conversations where there's going to be productive conflict uh, between different groups that see their interests as lying in another direction from where we see our interests. Whatever you define as we, there's a risk that we is going to break apart into several different unique eyes. Hmm. So I think that that's a, a critical risk. That's going to be exacerbated by where the nodes are. At the moment, the nodes are going to spend pretty much all of 2024 in Libra and Aries. And for them to be in the first and seventh house says that whoever the others are in your life are going to need more from you than you're currently giving. But that means that the shit lands on us. 
right? If we think of the the north node as being the mouth of the dragon and the south node mm-hmm. as being the tail of the dragon, the shit has to come out somewhere and whatever it is that the dragon eats, the the desire for connection with others is going to be really big this year. But that means that that the crap gets dumped into our personal lives. And that mm-hmm. I think is is one of the critical lessons of 2024 is if you feel a hunger to connect with somebody, go ahead and make that connection, but be prepared to shovel your own shit and get it out of the way because you're going to produce it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that covers 2024 and we can call the episode to an end now. <laughs> All right, we're done. <laughs> No, no, not really, but... Okay, well, now I think it's time for Susie to uh, draw a January card. All right, January card. Let us see. It is the devil. Der Teufel! (laughs) Der Teufel! Indeed. Um, Yeah, so I'm just checking really quick to see if we've gotten this before. Because I believe I don't think we, have. we have. No, we haven't. We, okay. You do? All right. No, I, have, I, I had a I had a memory in my mind, but apparently I made it up. So, all right. So the devil, you know, I mean, I think it's probably fair to say that we have a lot of devil things going on in the world, <laughs> even as we speak, which will probably not stop as we head into mm-hmm. January. Um, one thing that I associate the devil with because um, of his Capricorn associations, is the pandemic. And I know nobody wants to hear this, but back when the pandemic started, it was, you know, you remember that everything was in Capricorn all at once, Mm -hmm. Saturn, Pluto, um, the conjunction in Capricorn. and, um, And this card kept coming up as everyone being shut in their houses, the devil card. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of, uh, well, medical news um, as far as pandemic goes. Um, It might not necessarily be COVID. It might be something else, but I do think there's going to be some kind of medical news. Sometimes I've found personally that the the devil is um, actually good news, you know, like a new booster or a new vaccine or something like that. Um, interestingly enough. So, so that's a possibility. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom, although I know that is our specialty. (laughs) (laughs) I think Um, what we've learned is, uh, the more doom and gloom we predict, the more right we usually are. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) That's true. Unfortunately, unfortunately true. I also would expect the economy to be in the Mm -hmm. news, um, with the devil card. I mean, it could, you know, I mean, we are all, uh, we just had news recently that the Fed has been signaling that it's done with rate hikes and that, you know, we may be starting with rate, uh, rate cuts again. But I don't know whether that's really going to play out. Nobody does. Anyway, but I do mm-hmm. think the economy will be in the news, um, particularly in January. And there may be even something going on with currency. You know, I don't know if there's any more news to be had in the cyber, uh, cyber currency realm but oh there, there always is, is. there there you know? definitely will be more i'm sure there's yeah so maybe maybe some maybe some cryptocurrency bad news exactly cryptocurrency bad news or news just news you know i uh yeah. i frequently uh find associations between uh the devil and debt 
So there might be some more student loan news or something of that nature, too. I, I'm yeah. Um, oh, and of course, duh, the debt crisis, you know, that's going to keep coming back because they've just basically kicked the can down the road again in this country as far as uh, as raising the debt ceiling. So I feel know, like if there are two again. things we can predict for every month, uh, first, it'll be the <laughs> hottest of those months on record. And second, there will be a debt crisis in it. <laughs> uh, there's there's the, third, the psychic the the predictions. You should... Put a new column in the spreadsheet for Eric's psychic <laughs> predictions about climate crisis. Indeed. Uh, coldest January on record. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Andrew, do you have anything else for January or did you cover it pretty well in the chart of the year? No, and I do have a couple of things that I think are relevant to to January specifically and not necessarily for the whole year. Okay. The first is that we've got all of the personal planets in the third house in Sagittarius. So on January 1st, we have Venus and Mercury in Sagittarius along with Mars. Now, in a mundane chart, the third house is associated with logistics and communication. So it's associated with internet service, it's associated with uh, highway systems, it's associated with transportation grids, it's associated with uh, electrical distribution grids. And Sagittarius is also the sign that is uh, a triple-bodied sign. It's feral because it's an animal, it is humane mm -hmm. because it's a centaur, and it's technological because it's the bow that the centaur is drawing back. Mm -hmm. So for us to have Mercury retrograde here suggests that there's some significant problems with the communications grid. And I just read a story this past week that AT&T is putting something like $10 billion into a new cell phone network grid over the course of 2024. They're planning on spending a huge amount of money on building a new sort of not only repairing the grid that they already have, but adding new cell phone towers and new communication systems. But mm -hmm. that means periodic outages, and it means a lot of technical difficulties while they upgrade their systems, because that's the backbone that most carriers in the United States use. Uh, they they mm -hmm. lease time and space on that system. And uh, Mercury is also in the same decan of Sagittarius with Mars. So it's the horse's skull, and it's beating on a system that can't ha hack having any more beating. So we may see some significant problems with the electrical grid in January, and we may be facing challenges like we saw in Texas a couple of years ago now over the electrical grid not being connected to the rest of the U.S. Okay. So that's that's one piece of it. And then the second piece of it is, um, is that we've got Saturn and Neptune in uh in Pisces in the sixth house and this is associated with military forces the US has had a number of its uh aircraft carrier groups deployed in the Mediterranean in the Indian Ocean and i see those um deployments lasting longer than initially expected those are those are things to be keep an eye out for and sort of track over the long haul 
Okay, I think those are those are good. Uh, <laughs> we've uh, we've been at it a half hour and we've covered one month, so we are going to have to speed up a little bit. We're going to speed up a lot. Learn how to memorize the meanings of every tarot card using the secrets of the art of memory. Learn how to use Giordano Bruno's memory seals to read and interpret both the major and minor arcana. You've heard me talk about it before, and now you can do it yourself. Take my two-part course on tarot and the art of memory at arnamancy.com slash memory. February. Susie, can we get a card for February? Yeah. Ah, this one sprang to my hand. This is the oh. Ace of Pentacles, which I know we have gotten before. This one is uh, familiar mm-hmm. indeed. Uh, and in fact, we just talked about it in the look back, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, last year we got it in March and um, we talked about the, um, you know, the chat GPT-4 release and uh, Canada wildfires uh, unexpectedly, um, all the fuel that had been piled up. So, um, you know, I would not have guessed, and I don't think I did guess when we uh, did this last time that wildfires would be associated with it. Um, I'll be surprised if that happens again, but okay. But what I did predict, and I which which I think is still valid for um, mm-hmm. for Ace of Pentacles, is again money. money. Uh, like the Devil card, it is a money card. Uh, you know, uh, commodities, grain, um, earthquakes, things that are of the earth. Uh, so, you know, who knows whether it will show up in the, I mean, it's, it's unlikely to show up exactly the same way as last year, but, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is some kind of, you know, massive motion or big news in the currency markets for this as well. Um, the, uh, Ace of Pentacles is you know, kind of a magical card in a way, and it can represent an opportunity, uh, you know, a great investment opportunity of some kind or another. So um, although I hesitate to (laughs) predict anything too uh, positive, (laughs) the Ace of Pentacles generally does signify an opportunity that that people get excited about. So perhaps that will happen. Uh, it's it's i'm sure it's going to be cryptocurrency <laughs> <laughs> you are on tape uh, <laughs> oh man uh, I, you know okay okay i'm gonna have a psychic prediction on this card then too uh there's going to be some new uh stupid development in cryptocurrency kind of like remember the nft craze that happened a few years ago mm-hmm. somebody's going to come up with something similar to that uh, just as goofy, that is going to um, get all of the crypto bros very excited, and uh, and they will excitedly be buying into this. But I predict that later on in the year, um, there will be a, a terrible pentacle card that will indicate that all of their... <laughs> <laughs> that it was just a, a bubble. Earnings have gone up and spoke. Yes. I mean, I like that a lot. I really think that the if uh, you know, I don't think we were doing uh, predictions at the time when non fungible tokens were first uh, minted. Yeah. But but mm-hmm. Ace of Pentacles is great for that. And Andrew, what do you got for us in the sky? So the first thing that I've got is that uh, Uranus in Taurus is just under the ascendant. So. Early February, 
some kind of significant upheaval again in the body politic. There may be uh, significant concerns about rising food prices in February. We did not have a great harvest year. We did not have a great year for raising livestock. Prices for wholesale grain and such were through the roof. So prices may go through a spike in January, late January, early February, and there may be frustrations around that that are visible in in the in the political climate. Mm-hmm. The uh, the second thing is that Pluto, which has been direct for a little while now, will at that point be back in Aquarius, and it's in the tenth house. All through 2023, I wish I had said this last year in the episode, but it only became mm-hmm. clear based on what Pluto was doing this year. Whenever Pluto has been in Capricorn, it has meant that the negotiations between owners and and workers have favored the owners. Oh. Whenever it's been in Aquarius, those conversations have favored the workers. And now it's in the 10th house, which is associated with government. And I see a lot of questions about what, what are workers' rights, what are workers' protections being on the table and on the agenda, not so much in Congress, but in the administration. Okay. And doing a lot on the administration side, on the presidency side, to secure workers' rights in preparation for a possible transfer of the White House to a different party, but also as part of an effort to secure uh, more votes for one party over another by doing everything that they can to create differentials in policy between one party and, and another over the course of the last year before the election. Okay. Now, there's also a huge pileup of planets in the ninth house conjunct the midheaven. We've got Venus, the lot of fortune, Mars, Mercury, and the midheaven all sort of clustered in the ninth house. And that's magic, that's public religion, that's publishing, that's writing. It's also higher academia. And we've had a lot of ongoing trouble in university culture. In the last episode, we talked about Ivy League presidents being called on the carpet. And this looks like a whole lot of controversy in that realm that needs to be addressed or is addressed very publicly, and uh, and maybe some colleges going under. We've we that was a story that started to appear in 2022, hmm. and I see that perhaps continuing in 2024, with uh, with colleges running out of money and deciding to close their doors. Wow, that is. I think that's a very bold prediction. I that'll be interesting that to is, see. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Should we move on to Let's move on March? All right, March. Forward March. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, it, this is the uh, the the, the Knight, Knight of, of Swords, uh, whom we have not seen before in our prediction episodes. Um, he certainly looks like March, uh, coming in like a lion. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, now this is the most warlike of knights. So. I would suggest that there is going to be, I mean, military activity is, of course, chronic and perpetual, but I think we would see a peaking of that uh, activity or some some very large military development in 
um, in March. Um, it could be a taking of territory or a taking back of territory, but one thing is for sure, it will, there will be things in motion. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Is that it? Oh, do I have anything else? Um, well, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, yeah. the other thing is that, um, you know, with, with it being a court card, mm -hmm. I would not be at all surprised to see if there are personalities, uh, you know, corresponding to the Knight of Swords personality in the news. Now, uh, who that's going to be, I couldn't tell you, but it will likely be a politician. I mean, that seems pretty obvious from because it's an election year and because we've got this, you know, um, the, the Knight of Swords is a wielder of words, right? And okay. so that seems like likely to me, but chances are there will be other manifestations of this archetype as well. Can I ask a stupid American question, one that I should probably know the answer to already? When do the um, the primaries uh, get decided for the presidential election? What what month will that be? Well, you know, the primaries are all in different months. You know, um, but but, but we'll, they'll the be Republican they'll be convention. sort of resolved at at some point, right? Oh yeah, the, the convention. So when when do the conventions yeah. happen? The the primaries all occur between January and June, and they're all expected to end by January of, or June of 2024. And then I think both conventions are either at the very end of May or they're both in June. But the whole thing is the general election really begins in, in late June, early July. Okay. All right. Okay. The chart for, uh, the chart for, the chart um, for March is actually on February 29th. We have a leap year this year. It's for 3.42 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, there's a couple of things. The first is that we've got Pluto, Mars, and Venus all in Aquarius in the second house. And this is Mars make coming up to conjunction with Venus. And that usually means that Mars is more ardent. So this looks a whole lot like fussing over rate hikes and the the Fed trying to keep things cool and not raise rates and financial issues in the larger market perhaps overwhelming the existing system. The decan that that the conjunction is taking place in is in Aquarius, so we've got uh heaven and earth is the name of this decan and it's the you know, the ideal, what do we want to have happen versus the facts on the ground. And uh, and I see the Fed saying, oh, well, we don't really want to raise rates, but the actual facts on the ground require us to raise rates. Or the facts on the ground mean that we really do have to lower rates and do some kind of quantitative easing. I'm not, I can't say for sure which way it goes, but... Mm -hmm. That's a that's a place where we should be watching very closely as to what goes on, because overall, Pluto is saying favor workers, favor uh, the working class of the people who are actually doing the labor. And that is actually Aquarius, too. That is part of the territory of the Knight of Swords. So there's a another layer. There. Oh, oh, nice. Oh. Mm -hmm. And then we've got uh, Saturn. Mercury and the Sun all in the middle decan of Pisces. And that 
that Deccan is called the Net, and it's in the third third house, which is again about communications and infrastructure. And is this cyber warfare? Is this you know the Biden administration and the the country having to worry about cybersecurity? There's there's a piece in Barron's um, news this week about how corporations and federal and state and county agencies are all desperate to have more cybersecurity personnel. And mm-hmm. this looks like uh, this is the time of year when we are most likely to need those cybersecurity personnel. And there's a whole lot of attention on securing computer systems against intrusion that looks a whole lot like what uh, what was being called active measures being taken against the U.S. or a decision to defend the United States against active measures of various kinds. All right. Okay. Well, that's that, all right. That sounds like it'll be uh, an interesting month, especially as we are leading into um, our total solar eclipse in April. So, uh, Susie, you want to start us off by pulling a terrifying card for April? <laughs> Trying to see if this is the one. I think this is the one. Uh, terrifying. It's the Empress, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not so terrifying. <laughs> Not so terrifying, really. I mean, although, you know, I mean, the fact that the card doesn't look terrifying (laughs) is no guarantee that the news will not be terrifying. Uh, I mean, I think what we'll see the topic that the Empress most likely brings up is ecology is climate change is the, 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 um, the stewardship of the earth. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's likely as well of, as, as, as of course, reproductive rights. Right. Because, okay. yeah, or, both re- of those or who who controls the reproductive rights? I mean, I do think that is uh, that is a very Libra centric topic. But Libra is ruled by Venus. The Empress is Venus, and that is you know both the fecundity and the control of the fecundity fall, fall under her domain. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so both Mother Earth and mothers generally, I think, will be topics of concern. I also sort of feel like this is just random, but there might be like another royal baby or something, you know, <laughs> it's the sort of thing they could royal happen. baby. OK, I think that's a that, we better write that one down. But <laughs> I mean, it could be Hollywood royalty. That's too, right. It could I be. Suppose. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> definitions of royalty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a. A somewhat different read on that. March 30th mm-hmm. is is the date that the sun comes to 10 degrees, 15 minutes, which is our our keystone in, in Aries uh, at 7.28 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And, of course, we're getting into the correct position for an eclipse to occur. But Venus which again starts off as sort of our queen of the year is in the 11th house and the 11th house represents both national legislatures as well as state legislatures. And Venus is in the third decan of Pisces and that decan is called the cup of blood. And it has been associated as near as I can tell with enthusiasms running ahead of fact 
And so what I see is a whole lot of states deciding that the election might not go their way and trying to rush through anti-abortion legislature uh, legislation or uh, rules about where women can go or how far they can travel or whether or not they need permission to leave the state. All of those kinds of mm -hmm. laws are are technically illegal under the Constitution, but it doesn't mean that they can't make them and then have them declared unconstitutional after the fact and after years and years of litigation. So the empress as the mother, like I see legislatures taking up the question of what are mothers really allowed to do in a really mm -hmm. serious way in March mm -hmm. and April. There could also be an element there of um, the legislator acting like the mother, you know, sort of the whole uh, move towards uh uh, nanny stateness or more control on the legislature's part. You know, the the the, the way you described the cup of blood kind of made me made me think of that sort of yeah in, legislative enthusiasm approach. divorced from fact, like trying trying to make laws that are not rooted in what the technology actually makes possible, and uh, and that's that's <laughs> worth considering. That always goes well. The moon at this point is in Sagittarius, and it's in the the mansion which is called the beam which is the 20th mansion and oh you said the bean and not the beam huh like the so beam like, as in the beam of light coming out of the sun and not like the legume and okay. not like the legume uh, <laughs> okay and it's had to make sure <laughs> it's about taming aggressive forces and it's in the eighth house which is often associated with local and state governments um, or more local governments or local bureaucratic agencies. So I think that this is kind of related to the same thing that we see with Pluto and the working, the, the working classes and unions is a whole lot of state agencies looking around and going, well, we're union employees. Maybe it's time for us to go in search of a better contract. Maybe this mm. is... And perhaps some uh, some controversy around garbage men and fire departments and police seeking a better contract. But notice that it's about taming aggressive forces here. So I think that there's a chance that that there are some test flags put up and a bunch of attempts to slap those flags down. So, so maybe some unions having less success than they did this year. Yeah, perhaps. But uh, but we hmm. shall see. Uh, we're we're making good time here. I feel like we we're doing we're doing a good job zooming through months. This I'm I'm real proud of both of you. Um, <laughs> as my my least wait hold on, does loquacious mean talk a lot or not? Yeah yeah, yeah. loquacious yeah. means talk a lot. Yeah, you are uh, amongst my most loquacious friends. So it's always <laughs> impressive when. Um, <laughs> When things go quickly uh, in these episodes, I haven't had to use the bell once. I'm I, I'm going to bell myself. Shut up, Eric. Oh, <laughs> time for the next month. <laughs> okay. okay, May. So, it's May. time for a card. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to decide if this card feels right. It's good enough. Okay. Okay. Five of Wands. Oh, that's so, good. All right. Yeah. All right, so the heat is starting to be cranked up. Mm -hmm. uh, I've gotten it before, but like its friend, the Seven of Wands, um, Five of Wands can really 
broadcast heat-related disaster. So the, the difference, however, is that where the Seven of Wands tends to be more expansive and, you know, and, um, and out of control, like the wildfires we mm-hmm. saw in Maui, that was a Seven of Wands thing. Right. Five of Wands starts with pressure. And I think that, you know, so like volcanic activity could absolutely correspond to the Five of Wands, right? Um, The other thing that Five of Wands often correlates to, in my experience, is competition, fierce, fierce competition. And it doesn't have to be uh, violent competition. We could be talking about Olympics, for example, you know, or just like really visible uh Athletic competitions or something like that. But, uh, but the description that Arthur Edward Waite gave for the Five of Wands was mimic warfare. So, you mm-hmm. know, would that all our war- warfare were mimic? <laughs> but, uh, I think yeah. that's probably too tall an order for, uh, for any month of the year, alas. But there's an element to there that could be something like a a false flag or kind of similar to the cup of blood that Andrew just mentioned, um, an enemy that doesn't exist, which we know uh, that um, Americans, actually, I, I suppose people everywhere are always eager to go after, you know, we want an enemy. So even if there's one that isn't there, we, we still like to go after it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We do. All right. Is that is that is I that think all that's you? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else besides those points that I'd like to hit, but I think that's pretty much it. Heat-related disaster, likely volcanoes. Uh, I mean, especially volcanoes <laughs> and uh, competition. <laughs> Literally, the Lord of Strife. <laughs> I like how we we ended our our retrospective saying <laughs> that, like, oh, you know, I guess we could go we could go bigger with our predictions because it seems like we miss. <laughs> Big stuff because we just don't <laughs> guess. And so Susie's like, you know what? Volcanoes. <laughs> I'm okay, yeah. Andrew. What do you what do you see? I, I'm gonna take that a step further and say underwater volcanoes. Yeah. Underwater volcanoes. Um, because we've in in the chart for April 29th at 1039 PM Eastern Daylight Time, we have a a relationship between um, that five of wands decan, which is the, if I'm not mistaken, is the first decan of Leo. Correct. And the position of of where planet Earth would be relative to the sun, which is in in the the correct decan of um, of Scorpio, that is related by I think contra antitia is the phrase I'm looking for, and. The result is that we've got this this energy in the water, but it is saying disruptions in the earth. So the idea mm. of a volcano, yes, but perhaps a volcano under the earth. And my understanding is that there have been significant rumblings off of Iceland and significant rumblings off of Hawaii that suggest that we might get a new island. So... <laughs> It it probably doesn't start out very big, but we might get at least a temporary island in one or the other location. I like that. It also correlates to the amount of pressure that we see in the uh, sa- in the uh, in the, in the five. five yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In terms of other stuff going on, we also have a 
a, an, an antition to the third decan of Taurus. And here we have a conjunction of Uranus and Jupiter, which I have been waiting for for a long time. Now, Jupiter is the calm expansion, and Uranus is the explosive expansion. And that third decan of Taurus is associated with religion. The name of it is the prayer beads. And it's in the sixth house, which is rank and file of the army and the working class and sort of the the sort of ground level of of operations within a company. You know, the the client facing the 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 retail guy, the barista behind the counter, anybody who's sort of directly facing the customer. And uh, and one of the ways I could see this manifesting is a revolt against mistreatment in, in the agricultural sector or in the mining sector. Huh. And if we've got rumbling in the earth, then one of the ways that this might manifest is as a cave collapse or as uh, as a mining disaster that leads to new safety protocols or strikes on the part of mine workers and a real change in, in the safety climate. I hope that nobody is hurt, but this is the kind of position that says thoughts and prayers. Mm. And... Mm. and and I and I think that that's the kind of situation that we're looking at in in May is is that, you know, you, you, what you're saying makes me think also that with the five of wands that that underground fuel could be an issue. You know, oh, and yeah. when you talk about mining, that's what's what comes to mind mm. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the the other thing that's happening in May that the conjunction that isn't going to be in the chart that I'm looking at, but I happen to know is occurring on May 23rd of this year, is the annual conjunction of Jupiter and Venus. And for my time, it's like 4.38 in the morning, but you should absolutely figure out when it's happening on a local scale. It's it's one of the most gracious and kind and positive conjunctions that's likely to occur in any year. And this year it's occurring in Taurus, which means that one of the planets involved in it is the ruler of the conjunction. And she's also the ruler of the year. There's absolutely no reason so, not to I use that for something beautiful. Astrology? Yeah. There's I mean, some of that. This, in this here. feels like a good election. Let's, uh, yeah. let's take advantage of that. Right. Yeah. Use it carefully and use it well and do something good and lovely with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, okay, you know we are we are approaching the uh, the midpoint of the year somehow already. Um, so let's move on to June. Let's see. Right. Uh, let's see what calamity awaits. <laughs> calamity. <laughs> June of twenty twenty four. Let us see what the cards have to offer. I feel like they need a really good shuffle. They feel Susie. Do you do you uh, take out the cards that you've already picked for the no, year, or is no, there a chance? No, I don't. They go back. Oh, in, so we can get so the same card the same... twice. Okay. Yes, I'm not sure we ever have, but we could. I have. I honestly, I can't see what you're doing when you shuffle, so I, yeah. I don't know what your prior. Okay. Yeah. Let's. Okay, I got it. I got it. Uh, Six of Swords in this case. Oh. Uh, which is you know second decan of Aquarius. Um, so similar Knight of Swords we got before. This is not one we have drawn. 
ourselves uh, for predictions in the last four years. But, um, okay, so the first thing that comes to mind is refugees, uh, refugees and immigrants being in the news. Um, that is a very strong um, correlation in this card, uh, both both traditional and personal for me. I definitely see that. Um, the Six of Swords has a very particular kind of problem-solving aspect to it, you know, and they're usually, usually signals that the person concerned is moving from a, trying to solve a very difficult situation, which, of course, is generally mm -hmm. the condition that most refugees are in. Um, I, because it's Swords and Airy, it is not at all unlikely that news about aviation could come up. Um, it is... Mm. Uh, I actually consider this card a, a pretty perfect representation of navigating on instruments. So, you know, navigating uh, by looking at your dashboard, essentially, when you don't have good visibility. Uh, and that uh -huh. is a great metaphor for <laughs> a lot of Ooh. what's happening. Um, you know, and it could, I mean, I think also that that kind of navigation by instruments is a uh, you know, metaphorically, that could be like, you know, um, making policies, you know, or trying mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. um, legislate for idealism in some way. So right. I don't know exactly how that might show up. Um, in terms of natural disasters, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I, I don't think this is a no. I'm 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 not going to say like this is not a very natural disaster card. It's more about like clean up and solving things than natural disasters. Mm -hmm. But if there were any, <laughs> we we should say if there were any, they would be wind related, air related, you know. Um, so tornadoes full of tornadoes. sharp objects. <laughs> <laughs> Tornadoes full of swords. <laughs> yes. Um, you know what? I was just thinking since the primaries are going to be wrapping up around this time, yeah. um, it does make sense for immigration and immigrants and refugees to be in the news because, as we all know, that's a huge hot button topic in American politics. And yeah. both of the parties, both of the parties, whoever whoever comes out on top, they're going to be trying to use some element of immigration to sway voters to their side, probably. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's, that's true. And, um, you know, and it's interesting, the, the kind of feelings that the Six of Swords evokes are less of kind of empathy and compassion so much as, oh my God, this is a huge problem and we have to solve it one way or another. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and part of the issue there is that, Here's the Republican Party saying we want a closed and highly regulated border and we want working class wages to be low. We want businesses to have broad freedom to do whatever it is that they want. Like and oh and we want low taxes. And, and those <laughs> right, right that too. <laughs> but those four policies are are fundamentally incompatible with one another. Which makes me think we haven't talked about the debt ceiling for months. That's true. <laughs> uh, one other thing that might come up with the Six of Swords is waterways. Um, just because of the imagery of the card, less the correspondences than what it actually looks like. But I wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. if our, you know, um, waterways and solving problems in the waterways might come up. The circulatory uh, system. So yeah. what? Circulatory. This Erie Canal. 
two, three, four, five, six. So the six of swords is associated with the middle decan of Aquarius. I'm looking to see if anything is pinging that specifically. No, surprisingly yeah, not. Feel free to get into uh, the sky there stuff, sky stuff now mm-hmm. for June. I so there's a there's a couple of of interesting conjunctions that are happening in the chart. The first of them is that we've got a conjunction going on between Saturn and the Moon in Pisces at 16, 17, 18 degrees. And so that's going to resolve over the course of this month. And then we've also got a parallel conjunction coming up this month or next month between, you know, it's, it's a little bit further on in the year, but it's happening in the first house. And so there's this notion of bad financial news hitting a lot of people simultaneously. And that's also indicated by Mars being in Aries in the second house, along with the North Node. So we've got a lot of signals that if we we're going to have some significant financial challenges to people's own wallets and pocketbooks, uh, June is the month to be paying attention to and uh, having a cushion. The other conjunction that we should be paying attention to is Mercury and Uranus and the lot of fortune again in that third decan of Taurus, which is associated with the prayer beads. Excuse me while I jingle them on my microphone here. <laughs> and so there's a sense here of looking out for your friends, looking out for your neighbors and extended family, and staying relatively close to home during the month of June. So all of those things together suggest that maybe summer vacation isn't going to be as free and easy and that there might be a whole lot of thoughts and prayers kinds of things going on. We've also got Jupiter, Venus, and the sun in the fourth house. Again, all all of these things together are really pointing to the idea that listeners should be focused on house and home. Mm-hmm. Pluto, that planet of working class versus owners will be retrograde starting in late May, early June. And by the end of the year, it's going to be back in Capricorn favoring owners. So strikes beginning after June are not as likely to have positive endings as the ones that that begin before then. And there's going to be a long period of struggle in the middle part of the year between workers and owners making threats to one another and uh, and the stress sort of favoring the owners for a little while rather than the workers. Uh, all right. Well, that sort of that then that brings us to the end of June. So far, uh, the year has seemed to uh, to be pretty good, even with us trying to predict additional disasters. <laughs> um, I feel like uh, I feel like it, it doesn't. It feels like a year where there's going to be things happening, but maybe not um, uh, too many terrifying things after those initial, you know, devil months and so <laughs> forth. The January <laughs> devil. So anyhow, uh, we will have our, our second, the second half of the year we'll cover in the next episode. Uh, in the meantime, uh, uh, I encourage you to go look at uh, tsusanchang.com and andrewbwatt.com. Check out their incredible offerings. Um, if you're here because you 
know about them and not about me, then then go to arnamancy.com and uh and listen to some more uh podcast episodes because you probably have like 24 hours before the the final <laughs> uh forecast comes out to where you can listen to the last half of the year. Yeah, definitely check out the Agrippa series. Love that one. That's, yeah, the that's Agrippa a, series is great. And yeah. Do you well, thank offer? You, thank you. There will be a link to the Agrippa sh- series in the show notes. Do you have? Um, do you have that Trithemian art course online that people can can buy? That the course on magical cryptography mm. is amazing. Did I? Uh, I don't know. If not, I'll offer it again soon. Don't, yeah, we'll, that we'll is a thing worth it, looking fun... out for and participating in the next time you put it on offer. It's a it's a tough one to pre-record because that class involves homework and sort of evaluating homework. So, but but it was a fun. You're right. That's a fun one. I will definitely do it again. Uh, and if so, there will be a link to that in the show notes. It's all in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. With the bees. This has been another episode of the Arnamancy Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I have been your host, Reverend Eric. You can find Arnamancy online at arnamancy.com, and you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting the Arnamancy Project for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash arnamancy. Vanessa Irena, and I'm really excited to announce my new store, Sword and Scythe, where I'll be offering magical art, materia, and services beneath Mars and Saturn. You can visit the store at swordandscythe.com and be sure to sign up for the email list to receive early access to new releases.